today just want to kind of take a step back and think about all the letters as a whole and kind of just talk about some big themes and kind of kind of go over some things Andy already shared. So keep it, it's going to be a little bit shorter, but I don't want to rehash too much of what Andy said, but it's going to be very similar to that. Before we read this short section in Revelation 3, I'll just introduce, you know, there's lots of different types of messages in the Bible from God. And me personally, uh, a lot of times I read most things as kind of a how-to, how to get things done, you know. And I think part of that is the culture, our culture, but I think it's also part of that is um, men tend to view things that way. I just read something this week where a husband, he was writing and he said, it's a really strange because early on in our marriage, it was really odd because my wife would have these problems and she would come to me and I would always give her a really creative and applicable answer to her problems. And then I would pick my book back up to read again, but she did not look happy that I had just solved her problem. (laughs) And I was, and I was, uh, confused by that. And, and I think I can identify with that, but I can also identify with that, not just in relationships, but with the Bible, you know, trying to learn how to get things done, even if that's not what's really going on. Even if this guy ended up realizing that what was more important was the person, not how to get this problem fixed and the person of his wife. And um, he said that was very helpful. And sometimes we can read the Bible like that as a how-to book and miss the real big things. And so another example that's similar but a little bit different is when Jess taught at Schuyler County, they would have a like two-hour each year seatbelt presentation. But it wasn't a how-to presentation. It wasn't that the kids in high school needed two hours of first you grab the seatbelt and you pull it forward and then you click it in. It was really a two-hour presentation of why this is really important and why you need to do this, even though they all already knew how to do it. And sometimes there's a message like that that we need from the Bible where it's just a repetition of things you already know and have already heard and a reminder, this is important, this is real, and this is um, needed. And so it's going to be more of a message like that, not planning to introduce anything new, nothing that you haven't heard before, but just a reminder of realities And so let's read this section here from just a couple verses here from Revelation 3 at the very end. Starting verse 20. 320. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, or to the victor, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So as we've been going through this section, one of the things that comes up in every letter is the victor, being a victor. And we talked about a lot of different things. But I want to hit a really main point here. What does it mean to be a victor in the Christian life? And the point I want to hit out hit is just what Andy has already said. It's that... We're united with Christ. That every other piece of the Christian life really flows from this 
benefit from the Christian life, every important piece flows from this one thing, our union with Christ, that we're united with him. And so I want to give an illustration here. I tried to rope my wife into this, but she would not participate, so um, <laughs> which is fine. Um, so this is for the kids, but I'm, and I'm going to apply it to the message, okay? So uh, you know what tug-of-war is, right? If you don't know what tug-of-war is, raise your hand. Kids, did anybody not know what tug-of-war is, or anybody does know what it is? Okay, you know what it is. Okay, so I've got this rope here, and how it works, in case you don't know, is you put two teams on each side, and they each grab the rope, and they pull, and the team that pulls the middle of the rope to their side wins. Now, I want you to imagine something. Okay? Imagine that we had, we said, we're going to have a team of, a game of tug of war this morning, and we're going to give a big prize to the victor. Okay? Now, uh, the other piece of this, which I couldn't rope my wife into this, but you just have to imagine in your mind, my wife is on one side, and then I said, and Aaron, I want you to come up here and grab the other side. Okay? And then I said, kids, we got a big prize for the winning team. You can choose whichever side you want to get on. Okay? I want you to think about that. Which side would you choose? If you, if you would be on my wife's team, raise your hand. If you would be on Aaron's team, raise your hand. Okay. All right. Now here's my question to you. Why is that? Is it because you... Well, I'll say it this way. I'm going to ask it as a formal question. Okay, kids. Put up your hands how confident you would be that you guys would win, that you would be one of the victors on a scale of 10, 1 to 10. If you don't think it's very likely, just put up a 1. If you think for sure we're going to be the victors, put up a 10. What do you think? 10 out of 10, totally sure you're going to win. 1 out of 10, pretty unsure. What do you think, kids? Not sure you're going to win. Some people are not sure. Some people are very sure. Okay, this you're going to have to be brave on this. I'm going to ask you a question. You're going to have to shout out the answer. One, Just one person has to be brave enough only. Why, if you put up like a 10 out of 10, why are you sure that you would win? What makes you so confident? Is it because you've been lifting weights? What do you think? Just shake your head yes or no on that one. Why is it? Why do you feel so confident? Anybody? Is it because Aaron's on your team? Yes, that's right. Okay, Aaron. It's because you're on Aaron's team. Okay. Now. Connect the rope with another one and put me on it. Change the answer. That's right. Okay, so that was, you know, that's for the kids, but really it's an imperfect illustration. But the point is um, to teach a lesson, a spiritual lesson. And I'm just going to um, give a few points here, and I'm going to connect that here in a second so you see how that connects. The first point I want to make uh, is just this, that if you're a Christian, you have a real and vibrant connection with the risen Christ, that you really are in Him. That just like with this verse we read, the one who conquers, I will grant him or give him, give him a gift to sit on my throne as I have also conquered. You see the connection there. The reason that anyone can be a victor, that's the same word for conquering or, or be a victor in both pieces, 
you could say it, I'll read it differently with the word victor in there. To the victor, I will grant or give to sit with me on my throne as I also was victorious. And I will grant him to sit or and sat down with my father on his throne. So you see that for us to be a victor, to be victorious, to be what all these letters are promising at the end is all rooted in Jesus, is all rooted in what he already did and us entering into that, that we are victors because of Christ. And this comes up all over the place. In, and you are, probably have verses memorized that get this point across, um, even that have the same verse, the same word as victor there. But we, if you're a Christian, you have a real and vibrant connection with the risen Christ. Just like that illustration of the tug of war, that though you pick to be on Aaron's team and and you probably you would win unless you know Aaron tore an ACL and fell down or something like that, and even then you still might win. <laughs> um, the re- the reality is that you're still a victor because you are in a sense you're in Aaron and you're leaning on Aaron there you're really are a part of his team and you're all connected by that rope um and in the same way to become a christian is to say i'm banking my all on jesus and again it's an imperfect illustration but when we are united in christ we're not thinking i'm going to add just one percent we're thinking i'm banking it all on him and he's able and willing to have the victory, and that's over sin and death and actually every need, area of need in our life. One thing I want to get across here is we can't see the connection that we have with Christ physically like you could see the rope in between the people on the tug of war, but we are really connected. That you have a real union. If your faith is in Christ, there's a real union. And you could just imagine in your mind, kids, a rope going from you to Jesus in heaven. There's a real connection. You can't see it, but it's really there. And it's out of this connection of being in Christ, of being united in Him, that you have every blessing that flows from Christ. That includes really important things like forgiveness of sins. New life, eternal life. All these things are rooted in Christ and our union with him. I'm going to read you a quote here from uh, this book, Redemption Accomplished and Applied. That gets the same point across, says, except it says it a little bit better than I could say it. Union with Christ embraces the wide span of salvation from its ultimate source in eternal election, in the eternal election of God to its final fruition in the glorification of the elect. It is not a simple phase of the application of redemption it underlies every aspect of redemption, both in its accomplishment and its, in its application. Rephrase it again is to say this, that that real union that every Christian has, that we are in Christ, the victory he won, that we get the benefits, that that accomplishes, that's that accomplish, that that accomplishment that he made through his death and resurrection is really applied to us in every area of our life. It started before the world began when Christ chose us in Him. God chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. And then He saved us and washed us. He made us new. And it's going to continue to affect us all the way through eternity that 
even in heaven, we're still going to be united with Christ. I'll read another quote here. This is from Robert Raymond. Uh, Union with Christ is the fountainhead from which flows the Christian's every spiritual blessing. Repentance and faith, pardon, justification, adoption, sanctification, perseverance, and glorification. The degree that the Christian reckons himself dead to sin but alive to God in Jesus. That is to, to say, the degree that the Christian takes seriously the Spirit-wrought union with Christ, to that degree he will find his definitive sanctification coming to actual expression and with his experiential or progressive sanctification. The holiness of the Christian's daily walk directly depends upon his union with the Savior. So, I like his list there. Every piece, pardon, justification, adoption, repentance, sanctification, perseverance, and glorification from the first day you became a Christian all the way through was purchased and won and applied through Christ's death on the cross applied to you by the Spirit. It's good news that we have that connection with Christ. If we didn't have that connection, that union with Christ, that if you imagine in your mind the rope from you to Christ, we wouldn't persevere. We wouldn't have been Christians in the first place. Our sins wouldn't be forgiven. We wouldn't be children of God. We wouldn't be adopted. And we wouldn't be glorified in the end. We wouldn't be raised to glorification in the end. All that is because of this connection, this vital union with Christ. And it's really there. And many of you, I'm sure, already know this and have heard this. I'm just going to read you several verses, and I just want you to think about this. Um, In many ways, I could read all the sections at the end of the letters in Revelation, but because we've done that so much, I just want you to think about this point. I'm going to read other verses, but they basically make the same point, that over and over, he says, to the victor I will give. It's really an interesting phrase because in many ways, the victor, the, the conqueror, is you think of it as someone taking something, right? When we think of conquer, we think the conqueror is taking something from uh, the other group that they're victorious over. If you conquer, you don't need to be given a gift. You've won. You, you're, you're victorious. And yet, in each one of these letters, he's saying to the, con- to the victor, I'm going to give. He's the one really sitting over the victor. Kind of um, what well, we see here in chapter 3, obviously, that he's the one that really won the victory for us. But I'm just going to read some verses here. Just think about this. All that the, the union of Christ gives to us. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Revelation 2, I will grant to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have this hope in this life only, we are of all people to be most pitied. 
But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive. To the one who conquers, the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. To the one who conquers, I will give him a white stone with a new name written on it that no one knows except the one who receives it. Remember we talked about the white stone being the symbol of innocence. Uh, the, they would vote on innocence or guilt by putting in a white or a black stone. So that's the connection there. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. We're created in Christ. See that? You're a, you're a new creature because of this union. In Christ, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. Pause right there. Read a couple more of these, but just pause right there and think about some of these. That we have life. We have a new life, heat now and forever, because we're united with Christ. Because He died and He was raised. Not only that, that we have work to do. It does promise that those who conquer are going to be the ones who do His work. But Paul says, he specifically says that the work He's doing is not really His work. It's Jesus working through Him. It's the same for us. Even anything we do in our Christian life, which are things we want to do, we want to love people, we want to walk in holiness, all these things, all those are only possible because that vital connection that we have with Jesus who's empowering us, who's changed us, who's given us a new spirit, new desires. And so that's all dependent. So even when we do something, we end up looking back and saying, yeah, that was only because of this connection that we have through Christ, this real vital connection that we couldn't have done what we did, that we wouldn't have done what we did. We wouldn't have even wanted to do what we did unless we were united with Christ and feeling the benefits of that in the past, but also today. One more verse here from Ephesians. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. The verse in Revelation that makes me think of this is, where he says, the one who conquers, I will give him the morning star. Remember the morning star at the end of Revelation is Jesus. Another piece of this union with Christ means we get God. We get this real relationship with God. And it seems obvious from the things we've already been talking about, but it's good to remember that the reason you can have this real, vital communion relationship with God day to day and for eternity is because of Jesus, what he did. That we were separated from God. We were far off. How were we brought near? Because we figured it out? Because we brought ourselves near? Because we cleaned ourselves up? No, it's because we were united in Christ and everything we needed, a new heart, our sins washed, 
a new spirit, all these different things, a heart of stone taken out and a heart of flesh put in, all these things are purchased and provided in our union with Christ. And He really did those things. That's pretty amazing. And so this relationship, because we talk so much about having a relationship with God, I feel like we almost take it for granted that's even possible. Imagine it this way. Imagine if God said... I want a relationship with, the Bible said, I want a relationship with you, you know, you humans, you sinful humans. And if you're really, 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 really good, then you've only committed one or two sins, then I'll think about forgiving your sins. And then you can talk to me and you can pray to me. But if you have more than that, don't even, don't even try and call on me. You're too far gone. That'd be so sad. (laughs) That's not the case though, is it? It reminds me of Cain and Abel. Remember when God said to Cain, basically, I reject your offering. I reject your worship. You know, it's just a reminder, and that happens over and over in the Old Testament, that we kind of take it for granted that God even wants a relationship with us and makes it possible. But again, the reason that it is possible is because we're, we're in Christ, that God loves us. He sees us washed. He chose us in Him. Well, a couple more verses here. Talking about in Christ, being united with Him. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. This reminds me of the part about conquering in Revelation 3.5. To the one who conquers will be clothed in white garments, and I will never blot His name out of the book of life. We have forgiveness, like we've already said, through our union with Christ. It's provided. Christ conquered, and then He gives us these white garments. Not only that, there's another piece of union with Christ that I want to bring out to you that's pretty clear from Revelation. The verse in Revelation 3 that says, To the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. One other piece is not only are we united to Christ, we have been brought into a body like Andy was talking about. That it's not just you. You do have this personal connection with Christ, a real vital union, but it's also a connection that connects you to other pieces of the body. Some verses from other parts of Scripture that teach the same thing. Revelation, or sorry, Romans Romans 12, 4 and 5. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually as members of one another. Or Galatians 3, so that in Christ the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. God promised to bless the whole world through Abraham. And originally, you know, the Jews thought it was just going to be the Jews. But we've been grafted in. If we're Christians, if we're trusting Christ, we've been grafted into this people of God. That we're pillars in the temple of God. You're part of the temple of God if you're in Christ. Yes, you're united to Christ as an individual, but in being united to Christ, you're united with the rest of the Christian body who are also being pulled along, if you can imagine it this way, kids, like we're talking about, like maybe imagine in your mind a rope between you and Christ. Now imagine everybody else is being pulled along by that same rope. They all have another rope connected to them, and he's pulling all of us along. And so in being connected to him, you're connected with every Christian. That's really the case. 
um, you really are connected to Christ. That means you really are connected with every other believer. You're all one body in Christ. And what this means is, you know, we talked about a how-to, you know, how-to message. Sometimes we, well, how do I do this? Well, what I want to emphasize here in sharing all these things is this. One thing that we can do is just rest and be thankful that we're united in Christ and He's pulling us along. We can have confidence because our victory is secure in Him. He was victorious. And we are not imagining ourselves to add anything to that. We are being allowed to enter in. Just like we said with the, you know, the illustration of the tug of war, you are offered, hey, do you want to be over here? Do you want to be with Christ? And He'll pull you along. You can share in the victory even though you don't deserve it, even though you're not adding to it. Just like we were talking about um, with the, the tug of war. You know, you would get a, the same prize. Everyone would get the same prize even no matter how much they contributed. It's the same with Christ. That we actually get the reward that we don't deserve. We get Christ's reward. He's doing all the work. In many ways, we're pulling the wrong direction. And He's still pulling us along through His death, burial, resurrection, His Spirit. And so, we can be thankful. And we can be worshipful. Wow, God, thank You that I have this union with Christ right now. What do we want to do then? How do we want to apply this to our life? Well, like we said, thankfulness, worship, but we also want to just remember this reality and depend on it day to day. That the same connection to Christ that saves us from our sins, that's going to bring us on into eternity, is available to lean on today for present daily needs too. And so we don't want to forget that. It's really encouraging, really, if you think about this. You know, as we're going through these letters, we don't want to take for granted that all these letters are dependent on there being a real and risen Christ who's still active, right? It, imagine it this way. Imagine if Jesus died on the cross and that was it. He washed away our sins, but He's dead. And when we get to heaven, no Jesus there. He's dead. And right now you can pray, but not to Jesus because He's dead. That would be so sad. <laughs> That's not the case. He died and He's alive. And there's a real and risen Christ who's active right now in the world, in our church, in every church, and in our lives. And there's that real union is with a living person. And in some ways, you know, like I said, we can miss the force for the trees, but each one of these letters is dependent on the real and risen Christ who knows what's going on, who cares about the people, and who wants to rebuke them and correct them and encourage them and bring them on, and who's providing a way for them to be forgiven and to be part of his kingdom through his victory that he already won for us there's a real and living christ and so we want to depend on this relationship recognize that it's there that if you're a christian it's a, if you're not a christian it's available to you you can be saved not because you're clean up your life or anything but by entering into what christ did and trusting that he really is going to wash away your sin that he really is going to make you new that he really is going to bring you on to the end and you just believe it that you have faith that he's able to do it. Just like, again, an imperfect illustration, but just like the tug of war thing, 
you're entering, you choose the team you think you believe is going to win because you believe they have the power to do it. It's the same with Jesus. You say, I really believe that Jesus can wash away my sin. I really believe that despite all the sin in my heart, he, can, he loves me and is able to make me new and to wash away that sin by his blood and bring me on to the end. So lean on that. If you're not a Christian, you know, there's an offer there. If you are a Christian, we don't want to forget and live like we don't have this vital connection, this real and living connection with Jesus. There's a quote from Hudson Taylor that is uh, kind of illustrates this idea of the how-to versus just the re- leaning on the reality that's already there. Hudson Taylor says this, He kept asking how he could get sap out of the vine. He just kept asking this. I, I really want to get some sap out of the vine for my Christian life. And then he said this, But then he realized, Here I feel is the secret, not asking how I am to get sap out of the vine into myself, but remembering that Jesus is the vine. I do not have to make myself a branch. The Lord tells me I am a branch and I am a part of Him and I have just to believe it and act upon it. You know, it's the same idea that we've already been talking about this, that there's things going on in your life where you're needy. It's it's a big deal just to remember Jesus is there to meet your need. That you have this real union with Christ and whatever's going on in your life, you can lean on Him. You can have a real connection with Him through prayer, but also spiritual connection, power provided by Him to get through whatever you're going through. To do what He wants you to do. Every single day. So today, the message is a reminder of that. Just that there is a real connection available to you in Christ. That it's real, powerful, it changes you. It forgives your sins. It'll bring you on to the end. It'll help you to persevere. Even that idea of the pillar in the temple. Pillars are kind of this stable thing. They'll, you know, there's stability there, kind of in a way. Um, our stability is in Christ. That we're real. We really are united with Him. There's a real risen Jesus who rebukes us, encourages us, helps us, provides for us, teaches us, strengthens us, purifies us, and we don't want to get into the mode where we wake up and we're just doing it all on our own, right? Imagine a marriage like that. Imagine you and your wife, you just go about your daily duties and then towards the end of the day, you, you know, your wife walks into the room and you're like, oh, I kind of forgot you existed. <laughs> I mean, that wouldn't be a good marriage. <laughs> but we can kind of do that with Jesus, can't we? Where we just get into our own groove and we just are doing our own thing and we're not remembering this vital connection that we're not there alone. Jesus is really knowledgeable about what's going on in your life. He really cares. And He's really willing to help. And it's always available. Do you remember that? Are you leaning on that? Are you asking for help? Are you believing that He will help when you ask? All these things are available to us in Christ and we don't want to forget it. Is there an area where you feel like you're just floundering? Where it's like, man, I just, I feel weak in this area. I feel like things aren't going well in this area. I feel like I'm not doing well. You know what would be good to remember? Your real union with Christ. That there's help there. That God loves 
you. He knows exactly what's going on and that you're actually connected to him, that he really is a vine and you really are the branch and he's willing to put, not just give you life in certain areas, but in every area of your life. That Jesus being the the vine and we're the branch means that he'll provide all that we need. One more verse I want to bring out here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every blessing, everything you need is in Christ. You have access to everything you need in this vital union with Him. And don't forget that. Maybe it's work. Maybe you feel like you're floundering at work or it's just there's, there's deadness. Or you could say it this way, is there any area in your life where you feel like you're withering? Maybe it's your prayer life. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's family stuff. Maybe Who knows what it is? It could be emotional. It could be external. It could be internal. Whatever it is, lean on Jesus. You have that vital union in Him. New life available to you. Help available to you. Lean and get help. For the big things and for the small things. You know, sometimes we, we do this where we lean on Jesus for the big things and then we don't for the small things. We can lean on Him for everything. To sum up, okay, reframe the victorious Christian life in this way, okay? What does it mean to be a victor? In what this, you know, these sections are saying, it's to realize I can't be a victor. So I'm just going to totally lean on Jesus. I'm just going to enter into his victory and I'm going to lean on that and believe what he said, that he wants to change me, help me in every way. His really strength in the Christian life is recognizing our weakness and recognizing Christ's strength. Does that make sense? That if you want to be strong, you realize how strong Jesus is and how weak we are and you just totally lean on him. There's a quote from Spurgeon that I like that's kind of gets this idea across. Spurgeon says this, this is about particularly his prayer life, but I think it illustrates the point. This is what Spurgeon says, It is not an exaggeration to say that I cry out to God every quarter of an hour, not as a habit or as a duty, but, I'm going to pause the quote right there, but think about that. That sounds like a victorious Christian life. It's like, man, a real vital connection to Jesus every day. Like, not just every day, but he says every quarter of an hour, he's... Even if it's a short prayer, God help me. Would you help me in this? Would you help me with this next thing? Uh, I'm confused. Would you give me wisdom? I'm feeling frustrated. Would you give me patience? That sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> a real leaning on this connection. But listen to what he says is motivating that. Because it sounds kind of like strong, doesn't it? Does that sound kind of victorious? Well, listen to what he actually says. It is not ex- exaggeration to say I cry out to God every quarter of an hour. Not as a habit or as a duty, but as a baby cries for its mother. He's basically saying, like, I'm really needy, and I'm I'm really weak, and so that's why I pray. <laughs> and so that's what what it is for us to really realize today that there's this vital union with Christ available to you, and you actually need it. Right? You need it every day, whether you realize it or not. And we just remember that it's available there and that we need it. We can just start leaning and we can start trusting and we can start receiving. Think about the verse, you have not because you ask not. 
Is there an area in your life where you're withering? And it is because you're just not asking. You're not leaning. You're, you're, you're pressing on in your own strength. And you need to say, God, you promise I have every blessing in Christ and I'm believing that you are going to help me in this area. It's available to us. We could summarize the whole sermon this way. You need Jesus. And Jesus can meet your need. Isn't that good news? That's true for non-Christians. You need Jesus. You really do. And Jesus can really meet your need. That's how we become a Christian, isn't it? Realize, ah, you know what? I can't wash away my own sins. I can't get right with God apart from Jesus. And then realizing Jesus really will meet our need. He really will wash it away. He really will reconcile this thing that I've broken. But not only as new Christians, but just regular Christians, everyday Christians. We want to remember that every day and multiple times a day, just trusting, leaning in faith on Christ. So let's just praise the Lord that we have victory, not because we've earned it, not because we figured it all out, but because we have a great Savior that we can lean on and we are really united to Him. And he's the one that vital union is giving us power and strength and everything we need for today, all we need for life and godliness. It reminds me of the verse, I'll close with this last verse from First John. This is the victory. This is the same word here that we've been talking about, conquer. Uh, the, um, the, this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith, right? Faith in who? Jesus, <laughs> right? We're trusting someone else and he's able. And so let's pray together. Father, we're thankful that you sent your son, Jesus. We're thankful that you were willing to die and that we can have this relationship with you. Pray you'd make it real to us in our life. Um, that it would be something we depend on, not just for our sins, but for each day, all the needs we have. Each day, would you meet our needs? Would you fill us with your spirit? Would you give us more and more help each day? Thank you so much for what you did on the cross. Thank you for rising again. Thank you for your spirit, sending your spirit. Thank you for this real connection we have by the spirit to you. I pray that we would just realize the reality of it and live accordingly. But we need your help to do that. And we're looking to you, asking and believing that you'll help us. We ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen.